Hey guys, my name is Sharad. I'm the host of the Resimply podcast. Super excited to have another fantastic guest on the show for you guys, Jose Velni, joining us from Boston. Jose, how are you, man? Good. Thank you for having me. Long time no see. I know, man. Jose, you and I go way back. Like you and I know each other from even before I started Resimply. That's so it's so great to connect with you, man. How you been? Good, good. You know, like I love Boston, staying focused in, in this area. It's cold. Remember last time I actually seen you in person was in San Diego, so it was a lot warmer over there. I know, I know, man. Yeah, I'm looking out my window. It's like clear blue sky, 70 degree outside. Yeah. But Jose, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. So you're from Boston. Tell us a little bit about your real estate journey. When did you get started? What do you do? And how long have you been, you know, doing it for? So starting from the beginning, um, I was in the military. I was in the Marine Corps. I did uh, three, I did five years in the Marine Corps, three combat tours, two in Iraq, one on ship with the Navy. We ended up getting 32 pirates where, where the pirates were at the time off the coast of Africa. Uh, from there, I, I returned home to, to Boston. I, well, it's really Somerville, which is a neighborhood right next to Boston and grew up there. So I became a Somerville firefighter over there. At the time, because of my military time, I, I had an H2 Hummer. And I had nowhere to park it. So it, it pushed me to, to buy a house that had a driveway. And that's really how I got into real estate. So I just really started going to first-time homebuyers programs and trying to figure out how to, how to structure these deals, how to put this together. End up meeting a, a seller. The seller was former Navy. So him and I really connected at the time. And his goal was to get to Florida. My goal was to get into a house. So we kind of negotiated uh, the price and and try to get me in there. I actually moved into the property um, two weeks before the closing because my lease was up. That's how close the, the seller uh, seller and I were. As you know, in our business, it's about building rapport, building that relationship with, with the sellers. But what I was able to do on that first deal is I use a first-time home buyers, which is 3.5% down. And I was able to get some some money from, from the city. I was able to get the the, the attorney, uh, the, the the mortgage company to also pay for some of my down payment. And I ended up buying that property with um, $2,750 down today. That property rents for over 5000 a month. Incredible, man. First of all, thank you so much for your service, man. That's uh, it's great. You said 27 pirates? 32 pirates. 32. That's incredible, man. Don't let five um, get away. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> want to make sure we get those last five. So it's crazy. So you started a real estate journey because of the Humvee. Uh, it's usually people regret buying that, but you were glad you bought that. Uh, so it was really just you wanted like basically a parking a space for it. So you bought a house, a single family house. And then what happened after that? So this is the house that you moved into and you're like, okay, you know, this was pretty good. Then was it just as simple as, hey, I want to do more of this or... You outgrew that house, moved into a bigger house. What happened? So that property was actually a multifamily. So it, it's okay. two two residents. And the main reason why I needed a parking space, because in Boston it snows and there's no way to park park your, your vehicles. But I really learned to enjoy the process and I felt that it was kind of natural and I and I could get and I can continue to get better and continue to purchase more. At the time, Boston's a very, very expensive market, as you know, similar to San Diego. So I actually went to Western Mass, an area called Springfield, mm -hmm. and I started buying multifamilies, two families, three families, and then eventually I decided to go into six units. And the reason why I was I was trying to grow the portfolio and the number 
of, of doors that I was purchasing is what I what I realized is that to shovel uh, or to do maintenance on a, on two units is the same thing as six units. So at that time, I ended up buying a 16 unit building and then I had two six units and a four unit. So the whole portfolio was end up to be 32 units out in Springfield. And but at the time I knew I knew I didn't want to stay there. So I ended up selling them all. And now I'm only focused in Boston. Okay. And then you're buying multifamily, like larger apartments, or you're still buying like two to four units? Now we do, my my company is really mostly focused on um, ground up construction, um, renovation. So my my company now, I have a few companies, but the main one is Belny Development. Uh, we build ground up. In Boston, it's, it's very expensive to to purchase anything. There's a lot of people that have money and and I can't I can't compete on money. We can't compete as investors. We can't compete on money. So I had to create a niche that that allowed me to repeat the process, and, and that has been really building ground up construction. So you're buying piece of land and then building new apartments on it. Correct. We're going through zoning and we're we're building we're building up. Okay, all residential. Or All some... residential. So I'm I'm okay. a I'm a strictly a residential guy right now. Nothing commercial yet. How many apartments are you building on average, on each property? So my company, the way we what we focus on, if I'm gonna be so so back backwards, um, just to give a little more depth into, um, my background, um, I'm also a licensed real estate broker. So I I, ha I got my license as a real estate agent. So that gives me the opportunity to network with other agents and other brokers. So I understand that aspect of the business. I understand the the property management side of the business. We also do that internally. Uh, but one project that I had, um, I I had to fire my contractor I'm, and I, I lost a lot of money. That, then that's when I realized that uh, I needed to get better in, in construction. So I ended up getting my construction license and then I actually went back to school um, nights and weekend and then got my degree in construction management. And that's really why that's my strength. That's my niche um, against the market that I something that I can do better repeatedly over over the market. So the way we're structured now is anything between one and five units um, will build ground up um, internally as a construction manager, developer, um, the broker, the whole thing. And anything, and depending on the location, anything between five and 25 units, we might hire the contractor or we might do it internally. That's just the, the business model. And we currently right now have a 230 unit project going through zoning to, to build residential. And we would not be the, the contractor on that. I have a joint venture partner on, on that deal that it has done those kinds of deals before. So I'm really learning high level how to, how to grow the company through them. That's amazing, man. Congrats on all the success. So you're building all these properties just for yourself, like you're, or you're a part owner in every single construction that you're doing? Correct. So that's really the focus. I believe in generational wealth. So we try to keep everything that, that we build. It, obviously, it's not possible. And, and being in Boston, how expensive. I'm also doing more construction now for even third party. Um, last year we did we did a preschool. Um, this year we're doing an office fit out. We have that should be starting next month. So we still do a little bit of construction. So it's it's really trying to build out the development side of the business and really build out the construction side of the business just as much. And as far as like the brokerage and and the property manage property managers is only internally 
and the brokerage, we probably do maybe one or two transactions a year. So not high volume. The real focus is development and construction. Okay. So you're almost using your construction company as to generate cash that you're putting into buying more properties for yourself. So like a newbie wholesaler or someone who's doing fix and flip might be wholesaling properties or doing fix and flip and taking that money, buying buy and hold rental properties, but you're doing it at, you know, a different path. You're doing construction for other people, some occasional construction, and then you're using that money to buy properties for yourself. Is it pretty easy to buy like land in the Boston area? I would imagine everything is pretty developed or are you buying properties that you're tearing down and then building a new property on them? Both. So it is very difficult to to find land, but it's not it's not impossible. And okay. sometimes you might have a lot that is just being underutilized. For example, uh -huh. we had one project that we current we bought it as a two family, and then we and then we changed the zoning. We went through the city and said, "Hey, this is this project. This lot is big enough that we should be able to put put nine units on there." Oh, and wow. and that's a whole like negotiating. We end up getting um, seven units. And the and and one reason why I I love that strategy, it's a way to push value into a property. Obviously, if if you have an approval, if you have an existing two family, and then you get approved to do seven units, you just really boost up that value on that property just from changing that the number of units that could be built on it. We we created five hundred thousand worth of value. That's incredible, man. And then you have the the construction crew that you have that's all in-house they, they work for you on the payroll or are you subbing it out uh part of the work most of it i i oversee sometimes i might have a joint venture partner uh, but i have a lot of great subcontractors and because i have a, already have an existing rental portfolio i also keep them busy on on that side of the business as well so right. so to kind of answer some of your questions that you were asking uh, I treat my my buy and hold more like overhead and and living expenses, and then I I treat the construction firm more as in a way to re re put more money back into the development company, and then the development company after the properties are built goes right back into the 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 buy and hold, so it's okay. like a full circle. Okay, that's great, man. That's that's a fantastic business model. How are you finding? the properties that you're buying, you know, whether it's a piece of land or a property that you're going to tear down and build a new one, how are you finding those? Most of it is really, really network, network okay. and uh, a lot of marketing. Um, I was fortunate enough that in 2022, uh, my company was Boston Business Journal's 40 Under 40. Uh, oh. 2023 article came out and said top developers to look out for in Boston. Um, so I got that article. And then in 2023 as well, I got an Entrepreneur of the Year Award from Wentworth is where, where I graduated and got my construction management uh, degree. So with that kind of exposure, uh, I get a lot of a lot of leads that come into my inbox. That's amazing, man. That's the congratulations really on all the success you've had. I remember uh, a few years ago when you and I uh, were in the same mastermind. At that point, you were going to school, trying to get your construction degree and then to see, you know, and have all these awards and recognition. That's amazing, man. Um, and then what's your goal moving forward? Other experienced investors that I talked to eventually, you know, they realize that it's the same or not same, but pretty similar effort that goes into, let's say, buying a single family house versus buying a four unit. They realize that. And then eventually they're like, oh, it's the, you know, pretty similar amount of work buying a four unit property versus a 20 unit. And then they keep scaling up. 
Is that kind of what your goal is? Like you're working on a 230 unit project that you're working on. Then you get to that point and does that become your floor that, all right, you only want to work on bigger projects like 100, 200 units or you still want to do smaller units? I still want to do sp uh, smaller units. Smaller units are are safer. Um, you know, there's less capital. Sometimes you don't even have to raise capital to, depending on, on the project. So, but I'm really keeping my, my options open. I'm, I'm not sure where, where I'm, what direction I'm going to go in. All I know is if there's an opportunity and if it's profitable, then I want to take a look at it. Right. And how are you uh, funding all your projects? Are you using your own money, private money, hard money, bank? That's a, that's a great question because I think the market is shifting. Interest rate is high construction construction is high so the number one thing is you got you have to have good deals you got to have a, a a great pipeline you know part of the reason why um, i'm doing more construction for third parties is because i don't have to use anybody else's capital i can use my own capital instead of being eager to find development deals that just really don't pencil out they just it just they just don't work but yeah on a 230 unit project we definitely have to raise capital on a 20 to 25 unit project, we'll we'll definitely uh, raise capital. But it, it really it really takes that time of being in this business for for years and years. And, and we didn't I don't know if I said it, but and I started buying my my first house was purchased in in 2010. So I'm pretty much 14 14 years in and just building that reputation and and and, and going to school and showing the dedication of of getting better year over year, building out that portfolio and just really putting in the work and really helps raise the capital. I remember when when I was a younger investor and I was like, how do I how do you raise capital? And I used to read books on raising capital. But what I have learned from where I am today is it's not about learning how to raise capital. Like, yeah, yeah, you should learn and, and know how to do it right and know who you can raise capital from. But it's really about being a great operator because people want to park money with somebody that they know that their money is going to be more secure. And then is that all the money that you're raising uh, for the projects like 20 units or above that you uh, want to raise money for? Are you able to raise that from private money, going to banks or hard money? What route are you taking for those? Friends and family. So we we use a lot of a lot of friends and family. We always use bank money. But as far as like the down payment, um, and, and, saw, and some of the soft costs, we, we, we're going to use um, private money through friends and family. And then someone who's listening to the show and, you know, getting super inspired by your story and they're just getting started. It seems like a very daunting task to, you know, get to the point where you are right now. What would you say would be the best path for them to take just to get started and eventually get to the point where you're at in your business? I would say bring value to other investors. That's that's really the key because you can't go up to somebody and say, "Hey, will you be my mentor?" Nobody wants to another job. We're we're already busy. But if some if a young investor brings me a piece of land and say, "Hey, I got this land under contract," or or I know I have a relationship with the seller, I think we can get this at a good price. You want to take a look at it? I'm definitely going to take a look at it. And that person at that time can say, "Hey, you know, can I be part of this deal?" Because that's really how I really I learned this business. One, on the seven unit project that I was referring to, where we said we took um, two units and we turned it into seven, that came from a previous deal where I wholesaled the deal to to a, another investor. And I said, hey, let's do this deal together. And of course, after doing that deal, I, I made them 250000 off that one deal in, in one month. We 
we basically purchased it and then we were gonna we were gonna rehab it but we put it for sale and, and it, it sold the first week so that's that's what happened um, with that property and once you build a relationship with those kind of people they're gonna answer the phone they don't know if you're calling for advice they don't know if you're calling for for because you have another deal and even if you're calling for advice they know you're not going to waste their time because you might use that advice to find them uh, more land and i think that's 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 really key is is finding that mentor but you find that mentor by creating and bringing them value first so rather than going to someone and saying hey can you help me get started with the business the the better path would be hey i found this deal i think the numbers you know uh, work out can you have a look and if if the numbers work out would you be interested in being a partner on this deal correct, yeah. correct. so do, do with my seven unit project uh, the other developer had a challenge had a had trouble going through zoning he didn't know as many people uh in that area and i was able to bridge that gap through some of the relationships that that i already had and so he kind of took a step back and i took a step forward and by doing that i became the face of that project and that project helped brand the company that I have today. Got it. And then you're exceptional at operation side of the business, right? Did that come naturally to you or did you have to work intentionally on that? Are you reading books, taking courses? Like what is it that you're doing? I think like that's one thing I noticed with real estate investors is, you know, they focus so much on like marketing, talking to sellers, they forget about actually operating the business. And that's where a lot of inefficiencies creep in. So what is it that you are doing to be exceptional at operational side of the business? Well, first, I think continuous education. We should never stop learning until we retire. First of all, I think that's that's very, very key. And for me, I think I have the ability to, to see opportunity or try to figure out, okay, why is this company not growing, but this company is growing? Like, what are they doing different? And, and, you know, you and I both have gone to masterminds and some masterminds actually have two groups. They have groups that are doing, you know, one project to, to five projects and you have groups and then you have somebody else in a different different group that's doing 20, 20, 20 and above. And what you find is the biggest difference between those groups is is, is really systems and processes. And, and you have to do that. And, and and, and I always laugh when I said, I was explaining this to somebody, I said, it's always fascinating. And to I'll use construction for, for an example, it's always interesting to see how many contractors can build a house, but can't build a business, right? Right. And, and the reason why they can't build a business is, is, the, is the lack of systems and processes. But as I started reading, you know, like traction, scale up, and, and understanding the systems in the processes, I realized that I have always been in a systems in a process and that becomes that's from my mil from playing football in high school to being in the military. The military is all systems and processes being being a firefighter. Right. It's all SOPs, SOGs, all systems and processes. So what I needed to do is bridge that gap of how do I put systems around my real estate investment firm? You know, you mentioned the book Traction, but what's the one thing that you've implemented in your business when it comes to operations that made the biggest difference? You know, it might be a practice or a habit that you're doing. It might be a person that you've hired or something that you've implemented. Like, what is it that like really helped you? Like, oh, I can't believe I was running my business without uh, doing this or without this person, or without, you know, uh, this process that I was using. 
Is there anything that you look back in your business? Yeah, I think it's always knowing that you can improve the system. So one thing that I, I do a lot is I, I look at other people's systems and I try not to reinvent the wheel. If somebody already has a document, I say, hey, can I see your document or can I have your document instead of building it? But I don't just take it. I, I shift it and I change it so that it fits my company. Right. And, and kind of like if you're going to hire somebody and they come from a different firm, I believe that you should be interviewing them and asking them, hey, what worked great in the an, an XYZ firm? And then you can always start keep improving your system. It's, it's, it's like a breathing system. You're always changing. It's always growing, always evolving. Right. The same system that is created to build, you know, five units is not the same system that it's going to be for 230 units. And in, in and understanding the the gap and and how to how to grow from one end to the other, and understanding sometimes you need checklists, right? Pilots love checklists, right? They only put the most important things. So there's there's so many different tools. Um, I I recently my daughter was born seven weeks ago. And it was, it was fascinating to be in the hospital and watching the doctors, good people that we see that's on top of the game, very intelligent, using systems and checklists. So why wouldn't we use it in a real estate? Yeah, no, absolutely, man. It's it's incredible. I like to give an example of, let's say, you know, in a different context, let's say if someone wants to lose weight, they have to have a process. Hey, I need to go to the gym so many times. I need to eat healthy. Then you monitor your weight. If you don't lose weight, there's, there's something in the process that you're not doing. Either you're not going to gym often enough or you're not eating proper diet. And then you need to start tweaking that. And then you just kind of start with that as your baseline and then just keep working from that. Let's say you start losing weight. The next thing would be, hey, I want to get six pack abs. Then you just need to change the process, increase the intensity, but have a baseline process that you look at, you know, review on a daily basis and manage everything by numbers. I think that's one thing that I've noticed in my business that made the biggest differences, managing everything by numbers rather than, you know, jumping on a call and someone giving me uh, a story or a gut feeling about what happened. I say, no, let's just show me the numbers on what's working and what's not working. And let's make a decision based on the numbers rather than the gut feeling. Is that something that you use like numbers to make your decisions or, uh, you know, what sort of KPIs are you tracking to scale your business? Honestly, I, I have never been someone that's put those kinds of parameters in a box, uh, but which is interesting because I'm doing it more and more now because I'm firing myself more and more now, right? Because what 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 you see is when you do something so much, you have what's called mastery. You already know how to do it because you've done it so many times. But now, how do you how, how do you get somebody else to do it at the same level and expectation as you? So right. that's when you really start putting those those systems and structure in place. But as far as like processes, I think it, it starts before that. I think it starts with with your mindset, right? I always say. If you want to be good at anything, like when I first wanted to be a good contractor, the best, the thing what I used to do is go hang out with good contractors, right? right? So you start seeing the pattern, you start being part of the ecosystem and you, then they become a lifeline. If you, if you have an issue and you can call them up and say, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. How did you deal with this? I think that is more important at the beginning than, than, than just the system and processes. If you go to any 
um, event that real estate related, the first day, the first segment is usually mindset because it's that important. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you don't have the right mindset and you, and one thing I've noticed that's very important is like, you got to have a growth mindset. You always want to be learning. You know, you never want to think, okay, I've learned everything that I needed to. I'm an expert at this. No, there's always something you can learn. And you're absolutely right. The best way to learn is by hanging out, you know, with other people that are way ahead of you. I mean, there's this quote, I don't know who said it. I think Jim Rohn said it. Like you're the average of five people that you spend the most time with. So you want to be very intentional about the five people that you choose in your life. So it's going to be five people in your personal life, five people in your business life. And you want to be very intentional because, you know, if you're hanging out with people that have, let's say, you know, you're at net worth of X and then you're hanging out with people that have net worth 10X, it just, it's amazing that you will slowly start creeping up because they're going to pull you up. You're going to push yourself and you're going to start getting to that level. So uh, like joining masterminds, um, that that's where you and I met. And it's amazing how inspiring and motivational those masterminds are. You go, you know, hang out with people and then they're like, oh my God, you know, these people are doing incredible. They have the same 24 hours and then it's all of a sudden you don't have any reasons to, you don't have any excuses. You can't say, oh, you know, this is how it's supposed to be done. Then you look at someone like you who's absolutely crushing it. And like, oh, why can't I do it? You know, he has the same resource to the same time. And then you learn from, hey, what is it you are doing that I can implement in my business? So yeah, networking and just having the right mindset. Yeah, absolutely, man. Looking back at kind of when you got started, did you have these goals and aspirations to get to these like you know the 230 unit building that you're doing or you were just taking like one project at a time and just wanted to see okay let's just see how it's gonna keep going from here oh i think it's really relationship based if i i wish i could tell you that where i am today is where i thought i would be it's absolutely not you know i went from building two units to three units and then and then I, I kind of sneaked my way into the seven unit project when the other developer uh, needed help and it just so happened he knew another developer and then from there and I also knew him as well and he says hey if you can build seven why not 28 and then from there that same developer ended up buying a, a 37 unit project and then a 61 unit project so just going through the meetings and 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 really understanding how how to how to just navigate through that system so it kind of gave my company a buzz and then a bigger firm really wanted to work with me and then somebody else connected me so it was like all, it, it really happened in a in a very it, it, it was happened very fast but I was ready for it and and I also had great mentors um, one mentor I had a big big development national development firm um, Avalon Bay um, he, he was an executive and and I worked with him and and understanding of, okay, how do I go from, if, how do I look at a gas station and know how many residential units I can build? So oh. those kinds of, of situations and different um, programs that I have been able to be selected in. So it's almost like the success started building on itself and it's kind of like snowballed um, once I was in that position. Uh, but I can tell you there's times that uh, I've been in two business courses at the same time, teaching the same thing, just so I wanted to see the difference. I wanted to learn how to build on top of that. So I think it's 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 really just always looking to improve every single day. Yeah, man. Congrats again on all the success. And then congrats on your, uh, you said seventh, seven month old or seven week? Seven weeks. Seven weeks. And what's her name? Sage. 
Sage, nice man. Congratulations. That's going to keep you super busy. So I want to move on to the next segment of our show uh, and ask you some personal questions. What do you do for fun? I mean, you have like several companies, so a seven-week-old daughter. So I don't know how much time you get for fun, but what do you do for fun? Honestly, I feel like what we do is fun, but outside of outside of real estate, it's really working out, especially now spending time with my daughter. I'm luck, I'm fortunate to be in a place where I can really dictate, okay, when to close um, that laptop. Obviously, as a real estate developer, sometimes we have neighborhood meetings that in classes between like tonight I have a class between six and, and eight thirty. But most nights it's really spending that time um with, with my family. What's the one book that you've read uh, that's had the biggest influence on your life? It could be a personal book, business book, or one of each. Um, I would say um, First 100 Million by Dan Pena. And and the reason why um, I think that book was was so profound and and, and impacted me is, is because it's this whole notion, like how my career has grew, is that you do not have to go two units, four units, six units, eight units, 10 units, 12. You do not have to do that. You can leapfrog. And, and the way you leapfrog is by getting into rooms where other people are already in those rooms and they're going to bridge that gap because you're going to be learning. You know, like if I if I if you invite me to a 230 unit project and the next time I need to go raise capital for a 230 unit project, I can. Right. I don't have to go to 50 units or, or 25 units. And, and that book really bridge that gap of how to use those relationships that you built and, and get you to the next level faster. Yeah. Last question. If you could spend a day with anyone dead or alive, who would you want to spend the day with and why? That's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, if I could spend a day with anybody, I'd probably say David Goggin. I, I, I really, I really like David Goggin and, and, you know, I'm big into the military t- theme and just to be able to understand his mindset, like when we talk about drive, his drive is like next level drive. Like I do not want to do no triathlon or right. or run for a hundred hundred miles. But being around someone like that, I think that could elevate anybody's mindset. Oh, absolutely, man. He's an incredible guy. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like his journey, his path uh, that he's done, all the success he's had. Cool, man. Just say. Great time, man. Great information that you shared. If someone who's listening to this show wants to connect with you and just, you know, reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, definitely Instagram. I'm always on my Instagram or any social media platform, really. And you could just Google my name. I'm Jose Belny, J-O-S-U-E-B-E-L-N-E-Y. And that's usually the best way to contact me. I'm on all social media platforms. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in our show notes also. Cool. Thank you, Jose. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for coming on the show and, you know, all the incredible success you've had. Uh, I know you've worked super hard for it and you deserve every bit of success you've had. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, thank you. And thank you for for having me. Um, One thing that I will say, we talk about mindset and getting to the next level. I remember you and I, we were in the uh, the mastermind and we we were talking about what changed and you said one thing, and I'll, and I'll never forget it. You said my wardrobe change. And I, oh, believe, yeah. I believe what you said is that you threw away all your pants, all your shirts, and you had your company t-shirt and in, your, in the same pants. So it was one less thing that you had to think about. And those are the kinds of people and kind of events 
that really change your mindset to get you ready for that next it's, level. Isn't it amazing? Like such a simple thing. It's like, can you take decisions? It's funny. I'm going to Philippines uh, next week to meet with my team. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to rent an Airbnb. And, and they said, and it's at um, on, a, on an island at a beach. And they said, hey, can you please bring some, you know, we, we hired a photographer to do some photo shoot. Can you bring a white t-shirt and some white pants or shorts? I said, I don't have any. I don't, <laughs> I literally don't have any like white shirt or white t-shirt, white shirt. I said, you, you see me all the time. I wear the same clothes every <laughs> single day. So if you want me to wear something, just buy something and I'll wear it for the photo shoot. But I don't have any, it just, it, man, it simplifies your life. The less decisions you have. Oh, thank you, Jose, man. No, great. Thank you. Such, so great catching up with you, man. Thank you. Likewise.